If you're wondering which of the Mad Men and Tonic hosts you're more like, Christina or Elias, we invite you to listen to this clip from Season 1, Episode 10, and note your feelings about it. We will return to it later. No. Unless you tell me you want this. Yes, please. Welcome to Mad Men and Tonic, recapping Mad Men one workday cocktail at a time. I'm Christina. And I am Elias. Today we are discussing Season 1, Episode 10, Long Weekend. Emphasis on the long. Whew! Yes. Tough time for these characters. It is a very dramatic episode and a lot of heavy, heavy stuff is going to go down. Yeah. Yeah. What are we drinking this week? (laughs) So in light of that, um, there wasn't really a drink that specifically jumped out based on the episode's theme or like what people were having. So went with the twin, the twin theme, I guess. Um, I found this drink called the Evil Twin Martini, which was originated by a bartender, Janet South, at the bar at the restaurant to the Oak Room in Louisville. 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 Um, (laughs) The bar is no longer there, or that specific restaurant is no longer there, but the hotel remains, and it's like one of those cool turn-of-the-century hotels, the Seelbach Hotel. Um, It had, you know, a bunch of the presidents stayed there. F. Scott Fitzgerald used it as inspiration for, like, in in the Great Gatsby, the hotel where... Tom and Daisy would have gotten married and notably um, some gangsters would stay there including Al Capone who was a frequent guest that would like have these illegal poker games and sneak around through secret stairways when the police came. (laughs) We'll come back to illegal poker games in this episode in my historical uh, corner but also important the most gangster people of all time the Rolling Stones also stayed at this hotel. Anything they do is cool. (laughs) Great Gatsby course it's a great also reference cool. this is the 1960s version of the great gatsby that we were recapping for you basically yeah so so this is a cool spot we've never been we haven't really traveled to no. the southern united states together but it's definitely on the list so. hopefully one day we'll be able to travel again again period yeah. we are so. a little bitter because we had to just cancel our honeymoon to japan or postpone it. Postpone it. Because yes. we're not we're allowed going. in the country. We're going, yeah. <laughs> and that's fair. If I was any country other than the United States, I wouldn't allow us either because overall our management of the virus has been poor. Right. What do you say? Usually you're like, hey, that's un-American. But now you're kind of just like, that's fair. Yeah, no. <laughs> Don't let us let in. It, yeah, I wouldn't we'll, let us in either. So we'll get, we'll get there. Don't we'll worry, get there. sweets. I know. Um, all right, um, let's yeah. get into this drink. Okay. So the drink is, it's a half ounce vodka, a half ounce white chocolate liqueur, a half ounce dark chocolate liqueur, a half ounce Chambord, which is dark raspberry liqueur. Um, Mix all this up in a cocktail shaker with ice, pour it into a frosted martini glass, and garnish with a raspberry. For those that don't know, Chambord is like Christina's muse. Mm. She puts it in everything. She puts Chef's it in, kiss. Yeah. It's... What can make anything better is a little bit of raspberry uh, liquor. 
Yeah, it's so great with champagne or sparkling wine. Like, right. oh man. Delicious. I can't wait till she finally does the Bacardi Raz Chambord champagne <laughs> uh, drink. Look. Might work out. Might I, work out. You don't you never know. Um and yeah, so the the drink had been named the Evil Twin because the this bartender, Janet South, referred to white chocolate liqueur as the evil twin to dark or regular chocolate liqueur. I'd agree with that. I don't I didn't even know there was white chocolate liqueur. I didn't know there was a demand for that. But it's definitely at the bottom of my chocolate power rankings. Yeah, mine it's in the middle, I would yeah. say. Milk chocolate's my favorite, then white chocolate, then dark chocolate. Yeah, dark chocolate for me all the way. Yeah. Um, but these drinks are heavy, be careful. Yeah. Um we had trouble getting through even one of them. It's just, yeah, it's something um, that's going to sit rich. in your stomach. So, yeah. And we needed to be energetic for the pod. So mm-hmm. we, we still have drinks, don't worry. And uh, let's get into the long weekend, shall we? Cheers. Cheers. So we open up with, like, the Draper household, and they're getting ready for the long weekend. And Sally informs Don that Grandpa Jean, which is Betty's father, and quote aunt gloria are here um aunt is a Uh, euphemism yeah it's a little creepy as we learn (laughs) because we know that you know betty doesn't have a sister she's you know we know that you know betty's mom died so aunt aunt gloria is jean's new lady new lady friend yeah that's the way we'll put it jean introduces her to don as his friend which we know what that means. It's like old people say special friend. Yeah, you do have a bow. Yeah, Are you seeing anyone? Are you going steady with anyone? Yeah, grandma. Any light in your life these days, granddaughter Christina? Are you going to bear me any grandchildren any, any day soon? I need an heir. <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and Betty is not pleased about this. In general, she feels... That her father has moved on much too quickly, and specifically, she finds Gloria annoying. <laughs> right. So right after Don sees Sally and makes like a in-laws, huh, joke to her, then he has to deal with Betty, who immediately says, "I need to pack the big suitcase." I need upstairs. your help getting yeah. it from, you know, up in the closet. And he's like, "It's not that, you know, you don't need you don't need a suitcase. It's just the weekend." And she's like, yeah. "I can't get it down." Someone that's usually so observant, a little slow on the uptake here, but. Betty gets the point across. Yeah. He goes up. And he, I, you know, he knows word for word what's coming. Yeah. He no, knows so they go upstairs yeah. and she's like, it's just the the two of them pretending to pack. And she's like, what is everyone going to say at the country club? This is ridiculous. She's absurd. She basically must have just been like unbuttoning her shirt at the funeral. Like she's a grave chaser or a, a hearse chaser. Like people, like our ambulance chasers, she was just waiting for... Some old She's wealthy Will Ferrell man. in wedding crashes. <laughs> yeah. <for laughs> she crashes the funeral. But like for some old wealthy man to like keel over so she can sink her. That's Betty's perception of what's happening. Right. And she's smoking a cigarette. And it's like, like anxiously yeah. smoking. Ladies and gentlemen, at long last, it took to episode 10. But finally, meet the real Betty Draper. The, yeah. Oh, the anger, the, the vitality in her upset. Yeah. Speech here. Just like the puffing the cigarette and just going. And yeah, just now that she's going. shot some birds yeah, in the neighbor's yard, good. she's like, she I'm not fish. gonna hold back. Yeah. I'm not gonna be pretend to be the you know, she's polite to Gloria's face, polite enough, but she's not gonna hold back to Dawn right. telling him what, what she thinks. Yeah, Betty's hitting her stride now. And, mm-hmm. and was, I mean, I understand this is probably uncomfortable for her, but 
I mean, there's always discussions when people remarry after their spouse dies. Is it too soon, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, without getting into those, those situations are all so specific and it's so hard to say how you react to grief. But, you know, like her point, she, she personally, as his daughter, she feels hurt that he is seeing someone again. So soon, yeah. You know. And that's, she's entitled to feel that way. But basically, Don is like, well, you have to think about it from his perspective. He was married for like 40 40 years. years, And obviously, they're in a time where it was often the case that for like upper middle class couples, men were married to women, men worked, women stayed at home. That was like the, you know, really stereotypical family unit. And so he's like, he's been having someone cooking for him for 40 years. What's he going to do now? He can't make a cup of tea. He doesn't know what to do. Earlier in the scene, he was asking Betty where the sugar was. Was she hiding the sugar from him? So he can't even get up and find sugar in the house. Yeah. He doesn't even know where someone would keep sugar. Domestically, he's helpless. Right. And, well, Betty's like, well, then why doesn't he just get a housekeeper? And Don really, really puts it bluntly. He says that housekeeper goes home at night. And he has a little smile on his face, but she's just like, ugh, that's my dad. Sorry. He's making like a point about, you know, that was also something that was part of his life regularly for 40 years as a married person. Yeah. He's getting some action and now he's wanting that part of his life back. That's also related to they do like these studies where they see that in nursing homes and old folks homes they have like rampant rates of stds because it's a lot of people that are older that are widowed that are just like fuck it i want to keep living my like life as a sexual person into my old age right and we're just gonna go wild which raises always raise the question to me which is really inappropriate for this podcast is where the stds were introduced to these Long married couples. Right, you know? yeah. It's like, well, you got one like, a in sex the worker, war, maybe, like, or something. No yeah. one had the clap since the war. Come on. That's insane. They've had <laughs> it for 60 get, yeah. years. <laughs> and they were fine, but then as soon as it was someone else, yeah. But the scene is interesting because of uh, we meet Grandpa Gene. Yeah. I think, and he's a piece of work. Yeah. He's not. He ain't going away. He and Don have some friction between them. He ain't. Uh, he's not a. Uh, He's like, Tony's mom from The Sopranos, but he's got his own. Uh, yeah, he is. He's got his own backpack like, that he's carrying. Irritating around, so. characters in the early so, seasons of the show. We'll get to that. But what's important is Don ends the scene fake packing the bag and saying, "What do you want me to fill this with hay?" Which yeah. is a good callback to his like farmhouse roots, but also like this is what you've told me. Yeah. What do you want to be to put in this suitcase? More fake yeah, stuff. Just like light, what you're telling me. Just just a bunch of featherweight stuff. Yeah, this isn't real. Isn't real heavy and she's material. Not, she's not taking it. She's like, you change my mind, okay? Yeah. You just tell me you change my mind. Anyway, it's a, it's a good scene between the two. Yep. You see them kind of muddling through this thing together. Right. Yeah. And and then Don's like, Don says, you know, he's coming down. He's staying at work for one more day. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the family is about to leave. They're to going the, to the beach house. To the beach house, which we've heard about already. Mm-hmm. And Don will be there the next day. Yep. And that's it's Labor Day. Uh, yeah, Labor it's day Labor Day plans. weekend. Yeah. Whew. Summertime. Then at the office, there, it's like the ad guy is sitting in in a darkened room, and they're watching Kennedy, one of Kennedy's presidential campaign 
commercials again. Yeah, you have to wonder if behind that projector is the fake glass mirror, or is this the same like bar slash projector <laughs> room that they were in earlier? But they're not happy this time because Kennedy's released this serial jingle basically yeah it's really peppy it's really lively and yeah he's advertising himself like a product which they pick up on but they are worried because they think it's going to be effective they say it sounds like a maypo jingle and maypo is like a brand of maple flavored oatmeal Hmm. um i don't know if it's still around or not we're quaker oats people here that sounds good though but uh um anyway what they're saying is it's so instantly recognizable that they can Mm -hmm. relate it to a product yeah, which is not good trouble. for them. Mm-hmm. Because, because then God. they play, then they play a Nixon ad right after that, and he's yeah. like, "It's about dollars and cents." Yeah, this, my competitors are going to tax you forever this, and ever to pay for their plans. This is a pretty good Nixon. <laughs> yeah, this fucking Looney Tune just saying like, "Let's be serious," like, and here. he's just stone faced. No, like heart in it at all oh it's, it's just, much more drab than kennedy's they, they can't even get through it yeah don they turn turns it off. off and don just utters that line like it should never have been this close yeah oh, doesn't that hit a little close to home these days but uh um yeah shout it, out to us listeners again yeah everyone else God. is like i don't want to hear about it I don't, wanna, fucking I don't want to. Country over. I don't want to talk about it either. But uh, but anyway, they're concerned because we know they're not making these ads. It's still his PR firm. That's yeah, doing and they're like, how are we going to turn agency. this around? It's already so bad. Yeah, it's so bad. And like Nixon was like the like golden boy in mm-hmm. the fifties and sixties. Yeah, and he's yeah. you know qualified. But for the then position, I mean, for you sure. come up. How many times do we have to remind our audience of the charisma of JFK? I don't think we have to spend too much time here. But, You're uh, just trying to silence me about, my <laughs> about his looks, and that's fine. Because it's reference really soon, which is when Roger comes in, and then they're like, hey, didn't we, didn't we like do some digging? Didn't we get like a private eye into this? And they're like, what did they find? They're like, nothing, just that he's a womanizer. And Don's like, that's going to make women like him more. Yeah, that won't help. They're going to line up at the ballot box for that. Yeah. But, uh. And then Sterling utters the exact same line that Don says. How do this get so close? Yeah, yeah. that's How do we line. let it get so close? Yeah. And uh, he's basically in there, and he gives one of the best directives that I could ever hope to get from a boss. is like, you're not watching enough TV. You need to <laughs> watch your more. Job. It's your job. You need to get that done. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's just like Don, Don tries to – he's working on this pitch here in the yeah. office. He's like, look at this. Look at these two candidates. We could make this work. Mm-hmm. And he gives his whole spiel. And it's like a, it's personal for him. He says, Oh, yeah. Kennedy is new money and like silver spoon. He, he says he bought his way into Harvard and now everyone thinks he's like well bred, you know, that he's of this like upper crust. But he's immigrant. like immigrant. Recent immigrant, right. too. Yes. But Nixon, you know, came from nothing, built his way up. He was the Abraham Lincoln of California. I don't even know what that means. He became vice president, like, when he was young. Like, he's, you know, the bootstrap, pull yourself up by your bootstrap candidate. Right. Which is odd, because Don seems a little nouveau rich himself. But he definitely relates to that, like, grew up really poor type right. thing. Right. And we, saw, we, we know, did see, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. We've seen those flashbacks. Of him. And we know Kennedy did not. We know that. But it's just... It's a difficult scene uh, for them because they know that they can, they can see the election like slipping through their fingers. And Pete, for all his flaws, is the only one that recognizes that this yeah. is like a sure thing. For a few Kennedy. episodes ago, he was like, 
Yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah, and he says, remember, president is a product. Yeah, and he's marketing himself and he's better marketing than Nixon. him as a product. Mm-hmm. And what does he say? They said, we're going to keep trying. And Pete says, let's, sure, I agree. Let's go down swinging. And everyone looks at him and it's like, he's, he's right, though. He's, he's got perceiving it. it. Yes, yeah. he's got it. Yeah. Um, which no one else sees quite yet. Um, but then, yeah, then they say, well, what about the paying on the topic of clients that are paying us? Because remember, they're doing this Nixon work pro bono, which is ridiculous. But. Right, we don't know what they're doing because the PR firm the is ads, making the commercials yeah. and they couldn't even sit through it. Yeah. And what did Don say? He said, uh, message received and forgotten. Mm-hmm. So they're, I don't know what they're doing pro bono. I think they're still just trying to get their chance. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. And they're like, we can't do it. Yeah, on the topic of paying clients, um, Roger tells Don that the Menkins, both Rachel and her father are coming in today. And Welcome he wants back, Rachel. he wants Don there to monitor Paul, make yeah. sure he doesn't fuck up. Which is odd because Rachel said she didn't explicitly want didn't Don. want Don around. Um, but this is like a big thing. So I guess they want to make sure that they, the dad yeah. sees it's being fully staffed. Right. Even though the checks have already cleared, which Roger makes clear as well. So Cool. Uh, <laughs> and But then like as they're kind of packing up, Roger tells Don that he needs to be on his best behavior. And Don's like, what do you mean? Roger's like, I know she bothers you. Yeah, so what does he mean by that? Does he just think that... Well, he was in the first meeting yeah. when Don walked out. So I does he just think he that Don just is, is irritated by, by her, yeah. by like a woman that has like authority in the company. I don't think he knows about their weird sexual stuff. Yeah, he, well, I don't think we yeah. even really knew that much. We're still trying to figure it out ourselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean... Roger picked up on something. Yep. Which so was like, Don walking out. out of the office. Right. So, and that's uh, where the scene ends. And we jump to. We jump to Roger coming up to Joan and having a chat at her. Not with her, at her. He's having like a fake conversation where he's like, those accounts seem like they're in order as they're walking through the office. He like grabs her and she's just kind of like, God, Roger, you fucking idiot. But that's not the kind of thing he says to her. Right. The no. kind of thing is, I'd like to see those right now. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, and he just dropping he's innuendo like laughing, after he innuendo. It's really funny. And right. She's just like, this is so stupid. Right. But to him, it's hilarious. And yeah. also, like, seductive. Yeah. Um, and then, so once they get to his his office, then he, he, he what he had to say to her was he was so excited because all the wives in Manhattan are going to be gone this weekend because it's Labor Day. So that means that they can go out to a nice restaurant for once and, like, a play and stuff. They could do anything they want. And she's like... What about seeing a movie? Uh, the Apartment. You, yeah. The Apartment is a 1960 film. Very famous movie. Very great movie. Uh, it's directed by Billy Wilder, who's an all-timer. And it has uh, Shirley MacLaine and Jack Lemmon are the main characters. And it's about Jack Lemmon is like an up-and-coming person in a corporation mm-hmm. who is renting out his New York apartment to his bosses for uh, extramarital affairs. Oh, really? God. Uh, and he has a huge crush on the elevator operator, who is Shirley <laughs> MacLaine, and she's got, like, one of those... I mean, this is 1960, so this movie's, like, a good 10 years ahead of its time, probably. Uh, she's got one of those, like, 
pixie boy haircuts and uh she is who jack lemon has a crush on but she's also going to his apartment and hooking up with his boss Mm -hmm. uh and so it's dubbed a romantic comedy it's a little darker than that but it is a fantastic movie i highly recommend it and it also is like so relevant to joan and rogers like yeah and that's why she brought it up she's like well what about like that movie you're I bet you liked how they just kind of tossed that girl around and, like, everyone had their way with her, basically. Yeah, and Roger's so disappointed. He's like, oh, so you've seen it. <laughs> so you know what it's about. Yeah. Shit. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. And, again, this is the second time Roger's tried to, like, do a long weekend thing with Joan. And she's mm-hmm. like, no. Yeah, no. she's annoyed. Yeah. She doesn't she, – you know, she knows that she's kind of like an afterthought when he's a free and he's available. And yeah. she's not going to, like, just let that sit. Right. And he's like, oh, don't listen to that garish movie. We're not like that, you know. Movies are all ridiculous nowadays. Like, have you seen Psycho, that crazy movie? Yeah, which came out also in 1960. So, yeah. you know. That was like a revelation when it came out, too. Right. I mean, it was. The first you know. ever toilet flush in a movie. If I recall correctly, in the yeah. U.S. at least, in like the you know, to the say, shower scene and that's the least and... that's the least controversial part of the movie. That's yeah. kind of flushing. Yeah, so it, it's an interesting scene between the two of them, and it, it ends the same way it always does. Jones like, mm, sorry, talk to me later. But they, you know, he like makes a joke, and they kind of grin at each other. But she's still yeah. just like, yeah. Yeah, and know, he's like, it's... well, let me know early. I can get us a reservation somewhere good. You can go to Dorcia. <laughs> Dorcia. Try getting a reservation at Dorcia now. <laughs> <laughs> Roger, <laughs> Roger Clay. Um, and that's how that scene ends. Then, as promised, Rachel and her father come in for the meeting, and um, basically they're kind of just giving a rundown of what they've agreed to, as far as like the whole revamping and like new strategy for the store. Right, and it seems like they have an agreed upon strategy. As Roger said, they cleared the checks already. But, like, the dad hasn't heard really about the details specifically, and Rachel had kind of, like, had him sign off on it. So now he's kind of hearing the nuts and bolts for the first time, I guess. Yeah, but it still seems like formality to me. Even though in the last scene, Roger's like, something tells me he could cancel this whole thing. Mm-hmm. There's never a second in my mind during this scene that he had any intention of, like, canceling this. He's like, is there any way we could keep the store a bit open? Yeah, because that's the thing you is know. they have to close the store for a few months for, like, renovations because they're adding – they're making, like, a third of the ground floor into, like, this, like, upscale tea room. Right. And that's, yeah. It's, again, back Classing to this theme yeah. about, like, their customers evolving and them going kind of more bougie with them. Rachel, right. I must say, of course, going back to, you know, her outfits – she always looks great. We're going to make sure we cover this. She's wearing like this cool like golden rod or like golden colored dress with black trim and like it's sleeveless and then black and gold and pearl like big costume jewelry necklace yeah, like earrings. a big five layer necklace mm-hmm. thing going on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean Don and Papa Mankin are like kind of, kind of going back and forth. Like yeah, having yeah. a good banter. Mm-hmm. She's not having any of it. Yeah. She's like, this is not a joke. Yes. Yeah. And he, yeah, you know, they're like, it's important that we close because we need to get this stuff done. And, you know, don't fear. We're going to build anticipation during the closure. There will be people in line and it opens up. And Mr. Mencken 
astutely observes. He's like, yeah, even if you have to pay them. (laughs) And then Ken Cosgrove completely misses that that's like a joke. And he's like, we'll do whatever we have to do. God. (laughs) You're like, no. Cosgrove. It's a joke. (laughs) Um, Is is there any more like just ping-pongy character than Ken Cosgrove in terms of competence versus completely just missing the boat? Yeah. We'll, We'll get back to this in a scene or two. Yeah, and then, you know... Abe says to Don that the fact that his daughter is here should illustrate to him that he's not afraid of change. He just wants to, you know, not jump on things too much. But Don gives this kind of speech about, well, you know, your customers have changed and you need to grow with them. Your customers are now, you know, they're like your daughter. And he's kind of flattering Rachel while, like, making this, like, pitch. Like, he's kind of looking at her intently and saying, you know, they're sophisticated. and. But it's a brazen, like, confrontation of to the client, yeah. too. And Don's done this before, and it is, like, It usually brave. pays off, though, because yeah. Don is being astute about it. It's just, that is, it's just so gutsy. You have to have the words to do Especially it. about your daughter, yeah. yeah. And he's like... You know, they're educated and sophisticated and they know what they want and they're willing to pay for it. And, you know, she she kind of tries to, you know, push back on him. She's like, you know, this isn't just some story about my dad. Right. Um, even though Don is like, well, your grandkids aren't going to care about, you know, what stores you had. You know, they're going to say it must have been so hard in the olden days. Right. They were like, it's not the point of what you had. It's what a point of. Where what the kids go. are going to have. Right. And, yeah. So they're not going to care. And if the changes wasn't. you can make and the improvements you right. can make. And he's like, your story's in the past. Sorry. But, you know, here's our plan to take it into the future. And exactly. He's like, okay. And Rachel's like, you know, this is the plan. And he's like, it does seem well thought out. And so he kind of gets comfortable with it and he's on board with it. Yeah. And we get that vibe that this was a formality, I think. I think he was going to. I think he wanted. Yeah. He just wanted to put them through the punches, though, to make right. sure that they have. Right. They can yeah. support their position. And, and yeah, but once Rachel said she wanted to do this, it was going to happen. Right. I think. And he, he just wanted her, to come in there sign, and know. like, you know, just be there and like. Make sure. Yeah. yeah give them yeah, rubber give stamp them one on more, everything. Yeah, give them yeah. one more go through. Yep. I think that they sell them on that. And yeah. as they're leaving, he they sell Papa Mankin on it. They're, as they're leaving, Don sidles over to, to Rachel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know. And he's like. Well, first he's like, I think I saved both of our jobs. And she's like, God, stop. And Don't then, screw this up, is yeah. what she says. Yeah. And then he says that I think he liked me. And she's like, trust me, there was nothing about you that he liked. Oof, <laughs> fire. And then we get to see a, a nice scene of the Mankins walking out. Mm-hmm. And Abe Mankin drops the line. But I, ju- I just love this line. It's so good. This place reminds me of a czarist ministry. No matter what the decision, you don't feel it was yours. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but then he says about Don that he acknowledges, well, he's very good and persuasive. And he, like, kind of gives her a pointed look. He says, he's a little dashing for my taste. Yeah, what does that mean? I think it's like... I think he could perceive, he's like, there's something weird going on before you, between you, and even though he's, you know, some, like, ad man, like... 
Does that he's mean, charming, but he's a little bit does that too mean charming. Flaky, you think? I like think a little, a little flaky, like he's a little, a little charming, don't you think? Like top, watch, yeah. watch yourself, yeah. But but overall, I was impressed by him. Yeah, that's a good theme through a lot of this episode is old men picking up on some stuff. And uh, and she kind of smiles in a way that like she's like okay, like he passed that kind of she's assessment. Got that great shrewd smile. Yeah, she's, she's like, yeah. or she appreciates someone that like gets it. Yeah. Now, so then. Joan's roommate, Carol, comes to Sterling Cooper to see Joan, and Joan's like, what do we have lunch plans? Like, even I can't leave this early. It's 1230. That disaster. Carol. Yeah, Yeah, as Roger would call her. She comes in on the brink of tears already, or at least post-tears. She's very upset, and she explains that she basically was fired for, like, trying to cover for her boss's mistake, and he kind of fired her as a show of, like, power, and Joan is just, like, sickened by this. Yeah, it seemed like he fired her because he had to in front of the client. Or in front of his boss, so, like, yeah. yeah, Which is brutal, Uh, but they make plans, basically. And Joan is like, well, what do we, like, it's so frustrating, like, men just, like, have these power trips. What do we get out of it? Dinner and jewelry? This is bullshit. But speaking of which, let's go out tonight and, and, and get people to pay for our shit. Empty some bachelor's wallets. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, we don't know Carol that well. Um, so this is the first scene we really get some dialogue between the two of them. Yeah, and Carol's, like, lamenting that she hates the city, and Joan is like, don't say that. The city is everything. Yeah, they're having their sex in the city, single yeah. girls in the city moment. The city is a character, guys. Mm, yeah. But then we jump to another fucking character, Pete Campbell, walking into Don's office. Our he, favorite interactions, right? And he's so pleased. He's even though it's like bad news for him, he's like a little bit like pleased to be able to tell Don that. By the way, one of the clients. Canceled their account, Dr. Scholl's, and it was because of the creative. Right. They I thought it was boring and uninspired. At all you, you yeah. yeah. John Hamm is an actor playing an actor. <laughs> yeah. Truly. Playing, yeah, because Don just has this great serene smile on his face and, you know, just drops that line. Uh, the day you sign a client is the day you start losing it. It's great. Yeah. And it's like a kind of a pep up for Pete, even like, yeah. Was it creative's fault? No. I don't yeah, I don't think Pete cares. I think Pete knows it probably wasn't just that, but he just is gleeful and like trying to assert his right. power when Don's involved. Well that line's so good because it's like, Don't worry, Pete, you'll mm-hmm. get him next time. Yeah. And also Pete, you need to learn that you can't keep them all. And, and then Pete leaves the office and we just get the the classic the actual some, reaction something of Don. I, yes. Something I've always wanted to do. Throwing all your shit off your Sweeping desk. Sweeping it up, yeah. yeah. In anger. Not necessarily anger. Like frustration. Yeah. Yeah. And Peggy is like, came, comes in, she's like, were you buzzing me? Like, there was a weird sound. And she's like, oh. Uh-huh. And he's like, are you wearing Dr. Scholl's installs? And she's like, well, yeah, everyone at the office has to because they're our client. And he's like, take, take them out. Burn them. <laughs> take them out. Yeah, cut them out of our lives. Sandals forever. But, you know, Don has to tell Roger that this happened, and so he goes into Roger's office, and Roger's in his office getting a full, like, haircut, including, like, a nose hair trim. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, he can't be bothered to even go to a barber anymore Mm-mm. at this point. Just bring him in, yeah, and then have him sweep up my office. Not just the hair, <laughs> the rest of the office, too. Let's just get it <laughs> all clean. While they're here, yeah. And Don, like, Don tells him that, substantive news about the client but he also is like pete was like super pleased to tell me by the way so 
if the ink hadn't dry, dried on that raise of his yet, that's something you might want to consider, <laughs> basically. But Roger drops the same line. The day you sign a client is the day you start losing him. And then Don's like, do you really believe that? Like, Even though ugh. he just shared that to Pete recently. And then he follows it up with a line he can barely get through without laughing. You know what my father used to say? Being with a client is like being in a marriage. Sometimes you get into it for the wrong reasons, and eventually they hit you in the face. <laughs> and he's like, listen, I'll cheer you up. It's a long weekend. And Roger's like, we lost a little money. Whatever. Let's just go fire someone. Yeah, like, what, we'll make cares? it up like that, you know? And he's like, it's a long weekend. Let's go ahead and go out and have some fun. I have a great idea. Ding, ding, ding. Because they have this ad they're creating for double-sided aluminum. And he's like, if I know how Freddie Rumson's brain works, which is slow and obvious, I know what's going to be in that casting. It's, let's just say it's no brilliant idea. It's no double mint. It, this is yeah. a double mint gum is where this really works. Right. But. It's no lucky strike. It's toasted. It's no Belgian yeah. Jesus speech. It's it's like let's go hit on some twins, some, some casting, beautiful yeah, twins. Let's go to casting <laughs> and hit on people. <sighs> and then Pete, you know, then he goes to Peggy when he comes across her, and he's prying with her a little bit about whether she knows if Don has talked to Roger yet. Because he Ugh. just he wants to like see Don upset later that Roger yelled at him, basically. Yeah, but, Pe- but Peggy's keeping her good, you know, secretary. She's mantra like, that she used with Joan last episode. I don't know. Ask him. Yeah. Ask Don. And, I don't know. And I'm just sick of these two, you know, and their whole thing, frankly. Yeah. And it seems like Peggy is too. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, God. And Pete. he's, yeah, he's annoyed that she's, I don't know, like just being kind of short with him. And he's like, like, is this about what happened before? Because you're not being very professional. And she's like, I don't know. You're mean to me sometimes. You, I never know what to expect from you. I'm really just trying to do my job and you're being a pest. He's like, I'm mean to you. I fucked you and I'm married. (laughs) How dare you? That was nice of me. (laughs) I did you a favor. Yeah, basically. Did you not see me fight Cosgrove? Oh, God. Yeah, but then he's like, Peggy, you know I'm married. And (laughs) she drops this ice cold line. Yes, I know. And I heard all about how confusing that can be maybe you need me to lay on your couch to clear that up for you again wow yeah and we're just hoping this Biting. is put to bed finally right and he's just aren't you hoping like, you shipper you God. Oh, well and she he's kind of just like <laughs> well you know uncomfortable like trying to like make it jovial he's like You've got some imagination, you know, You good thing you're a writer now. Right. But she's always what they're all going to fall back on. We saw Joan do it in the last episode, too. Just like, oh, yeah, you're a writer now. You did yeah. one ad. Yeah, right. you did one campaign. These yeah. two. Yeah. Figure it's it trouble. out, guys. It's trouble. But more trouble is done in the art department where, and again, I guess the sign was not effective. This <laughs> is the art department not casting because all the gals – that have been called in for this aluminum, double-sided aluminum casting, who are all sets of twins, are sitting in the art department and being, like, hit on from every angle. Yeah, it's and Sal doesn't seem to mind, even though no, he he's put the sign up, probably. In this yeah. too, you it know. is just like an alleyway outside of a bar, just yeah. like. Oh, I know. They're just like creeping on these girls. Two cool cats. <laughs> and oh the lines these guys draw oh my god just yeah awful. cosgrove talks about how he grew up like on or near a farm and like the neighbor's cow had like a conjoined twin cow and then they separated them but they couldn't 
bear to be a part and he asks a couple of the women if that's what the, it feels like for them and they're and like the look on their faces like I, it's not even horrifying because they don't even comprehend how horrifying like, what he's saying so is i think you're so yeah. weird so i was like you know when you think about it you guys aren't really that identical i have a brother you know it's like yeah. oh you my can see God. the differences it's yeah. like oh my god but then roger and don come in and shut it down yeah roger kind of runs a master class here and he i think he does it you know, to cheer, you know, to Donna. like I think cheer Don. Don up, yeah, I know but also Don's to fun. like reposture with Don. Like, I could still do this. Yeah, you know, I still have. This and you charm. and me, like together, aren't we a team? Yeah. And so he's like, he basically is like, I don't know why all you guys are down here for this casting, and they kind of scramble. They're like to make sure you know all the models, and Don is like, what match? Yeah, <laughs> it's so like, good. Yeah, oh. and they're like, okay, we can handle it from here, right. boy. Like, little boys scurry away. Don, yeah. the, the men are here. The two rams have come in, and so the little boy sheep and you just <laughs> sprint <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah, yep. sprint back away, you know. And, th- I mean, they waste no time. Yeah, um, Roger picks out the set of twins that he thinks is the most attractive and then he tells everyone else basically he's like well i think everyone else can just go home surprise surprise the redheads recall um the don draper revenge tour where during their martini and oyster marathon roger talks about how much he loves redheads mm-hmm. what he says that it's like their mouths are a strawberry and a glass of milk I think, like, yeah, he likes that, you know, people that have red hair with pale complexion. So, yeah, he picks these two, Mirabelle and Eleanor. And they're 20 years old. Yeah. Which another Slightly great, older than his daughter, another, as he acknowledges. Yeah, another great line for Roger, which actually made me chuckle. I forgot about <laughs> where he asked the first twin if she's 20. Or how many birthdays she's had. How many birthdays, and she says 20. And then he asked the second one, what about you? It's like, so or he's stu- like how about her? So stupid. <laughs> yeah, and he just is not afraid to look fucking stupid. Yeah, you know, he's, he's like got that rich, charm. So he's got that hair. rich charm to him. Yeah, yep. exactly. And guess what? It they get the part. And that's the go, point of it then they go up to roger's office yeah that's the end of the episode all right we'll see you guys next week right <laughs> so they're up in roger's office basically don roger and these two women are the only people mm-hmm. at the office anymore because it's a long weekend and the new york moon it hits your eye <laughs> like a big pizza pie <laughs> roger's playing <laughs> trying to put down that amore right here <laughs> He says that they're like, aren't they a pair of bookends? And he wishes that he could cast them in bronze and mount them on the credenza. And one of the twins says correctly, she's like, oh, my, everything he says means something else. Yeah, the twins, for the fact that we chose the evil twin drink, these twins are not like naive at oh all. no they're they know fucking... exactly what they're doing yeah yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. there's no doubt about that yeah. which i appreciate a lot yeah they're you know, this you know they're modern like yeah. young modern women and they're like yeah these like older rich guys want to like fuck around like, with us a little bit yeah so, and they yeah. gave us the part immediately so we're already getting the the check yeah, they know, you know? we know so, they're into us and okay let's run with it um yeah because previously when they talked about going down to the casting Roger told Don, he's like, let's go down there. You know, I'll use you as bait. So basically they're like, oh, you're like, you know, a wingman, but like you're the hot one that I drag along to try to attract women to come back with us. Right. And it works because at the end of the day, I'm rich and I can just give them the part. Isn't that like, a th- isn't that basically the premise of the entourage? Like, isn't one of them like hotter than the main guy? And 
No. They're all, like, attracted to... I don't know. Well, I don't want to go out and say that I'm some expert on entourage, <laughs> entourage. that I've seen every episode or anything like that. But the whole premise of that is that the one guy's a famous actor. And then his and friends And he brings all get, his friends around. Yeah, yes. and they aren't famous, but they well, are by association. Uh, one of them is famous... It's, but at any rate, you know, it's like when, right. there, yeah, there's like one, you know, more hot person in your crew and they're the one that's drawing in the attention from everyone else. If your friend's Don Draper, you get him out there to help. Yeah, and you're not going to, you know, you're not going to have a, it's the just, best luck in the group, but you're going to do okay because he'll get his cast off. It's just like last episode when Kinsey broke up the fight between Pete and Cosgrove. He's like, these two guys are like the, like the attractive to this young generation uh-huh. type guys i need them yeah out there kinsey's yeah. like i need you guys there i don't yeah. have a chance it's the same it's you know true. every group has their friend that's like if we have him around there well, girls will come <laughs> you know people have that certain magnetism it's also like the cheerleader effect where young attractive people seem more attractive because they're in a group is that true i've never heard of that no i don't know yeah. it's all just pop psychology um this show is pop psychology <laughs> in a nutshell so but yeah, basically, you know, he Roger is kind of he's really coming on to the twins. One of them, one of them is like sitting up on a desk with, you know, next to Don, and the other one has like her legs draped over Roger on his couch. Yeah, Mirabelle is feeling it. She's with Roger, mm-hmm. and Eleanor is with Don. Who, for some reason, Don. He's so funny about how, I don't know, sometimes he's like, I'm married. Yeah. And then other well, times he doesn't give a shit about that. In this scene, they're still both playing it cool. And you still think, I still feel like they thought they were going to hook up in this scene. Yeah. You know, yeah. They, both of them are like, look at these two fucking horn dogs over yeah, here. Yeah, we're know? better than them. <laughs> yeah. And they're just watching and Don's like, I should go. Yeah. And yeah, Roger's and then she's Then she makes a move. She's yeah. like, I should dance. We should dance. Let's dance. And Roger's like, oh yeah, that'd be so nice to watch you guys dance. <laughs> Right. Oh, it's such a weird, weird scene because he asked him to kiss. Oh man, so yeah, much going on. Yeah, he asks the twins to kiss, and Don sighs. They sigh. Like, everyone's everyone just like, this. "God, everyone Roger." To do this, and, and it's like, so weird. I yeah, don't get that thing at. I don't get that at all. The twins. No, it's. Ugh. It's you like know, contrary to human mirror. Right. Yeah. yeah I don't. I, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, they're like, why do people always ask us this? So men have been creeps since the beginning. Right. And we know these two are not, they know what they're doing. Yeah. But they're still like, why? Why do you want me to kiss my goddamn sister? It's fucking gross. And it is gross. But they laugh when Roger's response is, because it's beautiful. It's like, ugh. Jesus. Papa Bear, chill out, dude. Yeah, but then Joan Joan is getting ready to go out with Carol because as she promised her, she's upset about losing her job. So she's like, let's just go out tonight and meet yeah. some men and like forget about it. Yeah, because the city is a character, guys. <laughs> it's important. New York the, plays itself. In New York, yeah. it plays a character, yes. Yeah. Wow, what a bombshell scene this turns out to be, huh? Yeah. You well, never expect no, this. No, it is out of nowhere. Oh, um, my goodness. So Joan, first she's primping and she... <laughs> drops a great line about like when you're feeling you know you're not feeling yourself i feel like i'm stuck somewhere between doris day and pillow talk and midnight lace and what i need to be is kim novak and just about anything <laughs> right which is so weird i feel like the okay so pillow talk is about like a party line where a woman gets conned by someone that she's trying to get kicked off the party line mm-hmm. um 
into and then they fall in love of course and it's rock hudson it's rock hudson's most famous movie mm-hmm. the other movie is about doris day being stalked so that's where she, well that's what where, i think is that's she's where just... thinks she is is like just in this like kind of borderline like gross horror spot versus mm-hmm. she wants to be kim novak who's like the bombshell today i would i would think yeah well um, i think i mean i took it as like doris day was kind of this like virginal all-american wholesome cute like beauty figure you know like in greece she's singing like about doris day like as sandra d like you know but kim novak was a femme fatale and you know a hitchcock movie and like this yeah, was that vertigo yes vertigo yeah. and so like this kind of like sexy like dramatic like figure with edge and so jones like i look just like you know cutesy or like the plain like girl next door but i want to look like a vamp well tough life joan you're like worst day or doris day yeah <laughs> Ooh, oh right. that's life stuff but but uh and she says she's yeah she's in a rut in 1960 i'm so over you which just wait till you experience 2020 yeah six, your old age, joan. 60 years later but uh but carol comes in to um like console she's her like, she says wait. that she's prettier than kim novak yeah no, she doesn't come in to console her no, at all. She comes oh in my to shoot god! Her shot. Yeah, God bless you, Carol. And it appeared to come out of nowhere for Joan too. She says that she loves Joan. That she, you know, remembers seeing her in college for the first time, and that after college, when Joan moved to New York, she moved to to follow her to get closer to her, and that she became a roommate just to try to get closer to her and to. In all the with all the hope that in one one day Joan would notice her. Yeah, kind of reminiscent of the Stalkery Doris Day movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but wow. Yeah, she kind of leans in to try to you know she's getting kind of physically closer to Joan, hoping that they will kiss, and she tells Joan to just think of her as a boy. And Joan, uh, Joan, Joan just, plays it pretty cool. She deflects it, part. but you know this is also you know, someone that she considers her friend and, and so she doesn't want to be too hurtful and she just, but she just pivots. She doesn't acknowledge what's been said and she pivots the conversation. And Right. And what else can you expect someone to do time. in 1960, right. you know, especially someone that you consider your best friend? But it, it seems like know, she was disappointed, but also not expected exactly what was going to happen and they're ready to go out. And this scene is, it's powerful. I'll say that. But, yeah, Carol's just kind of resigned to, okay, let's just keep doing as we've been doing. Yep, and they get ready to go out. Go on party. But twins, right? Twins. Speaking of twins. <laughs> Back to the twins. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, Eleanor is trying to, you know, warm warm Don up a little bit. Ice King Don. Ice, yeah, no, here. he's yeah, being kind of standoffish. He's like, know. I'm a married man. Okay. Okay, Don. Um, but they do, yeah, they kiss, and then he's like, I should get going. And then we're interrupted by Roger. <laughs> Roger riding in, like, when you play Pony on Dun the it. other. Done it. Done it. Done it. When you play, like, horse, horse ride, then we'll go with um, <laughs> On the other twin, and he's like. Don't make me use my spurs on you. Oh, like, he's God. pretending to be a cowboy and she's a horse. And he's like, let's go water you at the trough. Yeah. They burst it, in on this. And Don and Eleanor are just like, what? It's like pretty clear post-drunk 
like yeah. post drunk, post fuck. Yeah, like, like goofy, goofy just shit. Coming out and trying to get the party started. <laughs> it's so bizarre. It's just a, such a bizarre yeah. moment. And she's like in a bra and a slip. Yeah, just crawling on her yeah. hands and knees through this office with Roger atop her. And it's like those old boxer brief underpants that well, are like, a, yeah, yeah, she's wearing a full like slip with like high waisted underwear. Slip is like. It goes under a dress, and it's kind of like a mini skirt or a mini tight dress to your body, where it goes under the dress to, like, cover the lines of it and to make sure your underwear doesn't creep through. See, this podcast is educational. I mean, it's a bizarre scene, Mm -hmm. and then Don's like, I gotta go again. Yeah. Which is so weird for Don. Yeah. I guess we don't really know. We know he doesn't give a shit about cheating on his wife, but sometimes he does. Right. But we're still getting to know Don, I think, as well. Just like we got to meet... Full on Betty tonight. Right. Yeah. We, uh, I mean, Don, we you haven't, don't really do we haven't, Yeah. Even by the very finale of the show, you're like, who? <laughs> Don, Don who? Oh, you guys are in for a wild ride if you stick with us through the rest of this show. Um, but anyway, Don, again, is like, I gotta leave, right? But yeah, um, eventually she's like, just wait with me. Wait, wait for my sister to stop fucking Roger. Um, then it kind of flashes to Roger post coitus with. Mirabelle, she's yeah. talking about her name. Man, Mad Men season one loves these post-coital uh, <laughs> confessions, don't Yeah, they? people get God. really deep after sex. <laughs> but this isn't, I mean... But he's talking about his daughter and that, why does she hate him so much? He wanted to name her Margot after the wine. With an X. Yeah. E-A-U-X, the French style. And yeah, he just, you know, it's just about how he's out of touch. And maybe this whole thing, you know, of course he framed it as... Like cheering up Dawn, but in the long run, it was probably him, you know, trying to feel young again. Clinging to, yeah, clinging to. And like to, and trying to understand young people again. Yeah. And uh, she's yeah. surprisingly like gracious about gracious it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, they she's had like, sex. I'm sure your daughter loves you and yeah. you don't need to worry about if she's, yeah. you know, moody. But yeah, and he says that. Her skin is so beautiful. He wants to suck her blood like Dracula. Oh, 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 oh. Blood. One, two, three. Three drops of blood. <laughs> One, two, three trips around the block. Yeah. <laughs> then we see the end, uh, the culmination of Joan and Carol's night on the town, which is that they brought a couple dudes back to the apartment. But the one one guy, um, as Joan and Carol kind of split off to go make drinks and they're sitting together, these two strangers in the living room, he tells the other guy, just so we're clear on things, the redhead is mine. And the other guy looks kind of bummed. Kind of. For a second. Yeah. He's like, but he's whatever. Like, okay. I'm going to, you know. We'll stick I mean, still, but you know, Joan still, is like still the. Still going good tonight. I mean, yeah. Joan's, Joan's like the babe. Joan's Joan. I, yeah. Gonna and call dibs, but Joan's obviously favoring him anyway, so it didn't matter, you know. Yeah. It's well, he's a Fordham like... professor, so you know he's he's smart, I guess. The other guy is like a we don't really know. We know he likes carpentry as a hobby, but we don't learn much about these guys because that's not what we're here to learn. No. So, um, you know, Joan comes up with a a pretextual reason to get the other guy into her bedroom, and then it's Carol and the remaining yeah man there. And it's really sad because he's is, like, what do you, like, what are we going to do here? And he kisses her and she's like, really, you're just resigned, whatever you want. This is maybe the most heartbreaking scene of the first season so far, I have to say. Yeah, it's like, really sad. Because, you know, she had 
professor left to Joan, been rejected, and it you is, know you're like, how how many times has she gone out with Joan just to be with Joan, but like hooked up with some guy even though she didn't want to? It's like such a yeah, such and a it's sad scene. Just like speaks so much to how good the writing of this show is that we meet this character Carol. We saw her once briefly a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. and we see her now, and we got her first dialogue scene. First two dialogue scenes in this episode, and then she delivers this scene. That's uh, just like, wow! What uh, a horrifying! It, oh, it's just brutal! It's, it's just brutal! It's just like how she's like, oh, this is just my reality now. That's it. That's the scene. That's yeah. it. That's what we leave on. But yeah, back to Sterling Cooper. Yeah, let's get things happy, right? Well, let's get things fucked <laughs> up. The one of the twin, um, Eleanor. Tells Don that he kisses like a married man. And he's like, is that a good thing? And she's like, yeah. And she says, tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. Basically, like, like cruel intentions, you can put it anywhere. You know, she is putting it all, like, up on That's on a good table. pitch, I think. But Don says, maybe it's being in this office, but you're selling too hard. He gets to be the client and he doesn't like it at all. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, because I mean, she's been inching towards this the whole episode, yeah, you no, know, the whole time they've been together. Because it's Don Draper. A fair you know, and a fair, like, you know, inference for her to be like, "Oh, these two guys invited us upstairs. My sister went and hooked up with one of them, and the other guy and I are hanging out." Yeah, and it we seems like up. and it seems like no woman doesn't like Don Draper. I mean, is that a fact? I don't know. It sounds like it is. Well, this, no, no person that's interested in men. Thank you. Yeah, and he just relishes this yeah. moment to say no. It yeah. feels like, you know, after... Uh, it's interesting. But this moment is abruptly interrupted by Mirabelle screaming for help from the other room. Why Roger feels like a tank is on his chest. He's having a heart attack. God, no. Don't do it, madman. Don't take Roger. Don't take this Roger away from me! So... You know, they call an ambulance and they are wheeling Roger out of the office and he's in his, in his, in his like dazed, pained state, he's calling Mirabelle's name. Don, like, even though he's on a stretcher having had a heart attack, Don looks at him in the, in the face and says, and hold, like grabs his head and slaps him across the face and says, Mona, your wife's name is Mona. Don't forget it. His boss across what, when the he's face having a heart attack. Heart attack. Don knows. Don, yeah. Don's like you, you would rather about, die. You need to think about what's important yes. right you now. You would rather die than say the wrong name to your wife of twenty plus years. Basically, <laughs> is and, what he's saying yeah. to him right now. He's like, wake up. Remember who's coming to this hospital. Yeah, you know, right. And I think it, I think it is a like a proven thing that they've seen a phenomenon of like, like a disproportionately large number of like older men that have heart attacks. The situation that they have them in is during or just after sex outside of their marriage. Really? Because it's like you know, a it's sex, so that's like going to bring your heart rate up, and then b it's like the you know fear and like illicitness of it. 
That's crazy. I, I it's like a, heard that. Yeah, or like it's like a it's an unusually like large percentage of heart attacks that you'd then you'd expect are oh. that circumstance compared to others. Well, don't be a dick, and you can avoid some heart attacks. Yeah. It sounds like it's yeah. pretty straightforward, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, they get to the hospital, and Roger looks rough. Yes, he is. Don Don will later describe him as paper. Looking like, like paper. But he they he looks the, like a yeah. ghoul. Kudos to the <laughs> a ghoul. A ghoul. Kudos to the makeup people on this because they made him look awful. Yeah. Oof. And he's like serious. He is like stone faced and stoic in a way we've never seen him before. Usually he's got you know even in in business situations he has that kind of like fun like or that you know funny kind of lilts to his voice and makes some jokes. But he is just like. I mean, he's seen death. It's such a good contrast in terms of the Don and Roger relationship to Red in the Face that we like to call the Don Draper Revenge Tour. When <laughs> when Don, basically Don came up to his level to beat Roger. Mm-hmm. Here we see Roger coming down a level. Yeah. And being he's very, being very human. Vulnerable. Because mm-hmm. what we've seen from Roger, Roger has not been a main character by any standpoint through most of the show. He's been in and out, but he hasn't yeah. been like Pete or Peggy or Don, you right. know, but he's been around mm-hmm. and he's always kind of been like, kind of like Cooper is, you know, just like above them, ready to drop some fucking just great lines on yeah, people just and ready to just authority. Yeah. yeah. But we also know that they have a better friendship, but we saw Don get the better of Roger in that episode. And then here we actually see Roger humanized. Mm-hmm. Oh Yeah. He's like tearful. He's regretting how he's been living his life. Like yeah. he's been on shore leave. Well, he basically asks Don if he's religious. Yeah, he's like, Do you yeah. believe I have a soul that can be saved? And yeah, it's all this stuff. And Don just is like. Don doesn't understand that question. Don's just like, well, What do you want me to say? I, what do you want to hear? He's I don't. Like, what can I say yeah. to comfort you? Because I yeah. don't. I don't believe in anything. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we come to learn about Don mm-hmm. Traper. And that's oh, a yeah. problem. I don't believe in anything. Um, and that just kind of breaks yeah. Roger a bit. Uh, but, but luckily... Mona comes in. Sweet Mona. And she's, like, wearing her, like, summer clothes. You can tell she's got, like, her hair pulled back in, like, a, you know, a patterned, like, handkerchief. And she's got, like, a sleeveless, yeah, like... like, a tank top Blouse on. on. Yeah. And so she's probably just come back back from the beach. Yeah, she's in the Hamptons. Called, she's and, been called back, for yeah. sure. And, and uh, they're so emotional. He sees her, and he just bursts into tears. And in real life, the actors are married. John Slattery and oh, the really? actress of Mona are, like, a real life. I didn't know They've been that. married for years and years and years. And so, you know, when they when they do scenes together, the emoting is is really really strong and Well, it's also important to remember that Don had tears in his eyes during the scene with Roger that he couldn't answer the question. Did he? You know, yeah. yes. Don was a little emotional as well. Yeah. And then we just see Don become the famous shadow figure that he is as they have that quick conversation. Lurking in the background. Yeah. He's watching them talk. And then the daughter goes in. He watches them talk and watches them cry and hug. And he's just like disturbed and distraught watching it. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a really messed up scene, but also a beautiful scene. Yeah. And then we cut away to... Well, now, I mean, even though this has just happened, it's the middle of the night, there's also a business component to this that needs to be considered. And so Bert has called Joan into the office. At first, she doesn't know why. Her, like, dumb date escorted her 
and Bert's like, this guy needs to leave. And he tells her that Rogers had a heart attack, and she's, like, really shocked. But then she has to do... She's the host. What's still her job? She has to come in and type up all these telegrams. To the clients. To the Explaining clients. what happened. But that yes. everything was going to be fine. Their accounts are going to be fine. But just FYI. Yes. And we just see her typing away and him reading it off. Like it's, you know, this is 1960, but it's like 19, 1900, basically, like dictating type. Yeah. And she's basically going to break into tears at yeah. this point. And it's uh, another beautiful scene. But she, yeah, and she's still wearing her like outfit from going out that night. So she looks like awkwardly overdressed for the circumstance, but she's just got to go and type these dictated letters now. Right. And we can't discount that Bert kicked that professor out of the office. And he's like, I'm not going to leave her alone here. She's like, No, you are. You got to go. And, uh, you lose her. He's like, This is real. And it's, it's tough when there's that, that side to it. You know, there's the human side, but, when they're that small of a business and one of the owners is there's so much power in the, yeah and there's so much power in these scenes where it's just a couple characters in the big office by themselves mm-hmm. just like they're always yeah, doing they have to do emergency work and you're business. like for something that seems so superfluous like advertising to a lot of us like this seems so dire yeah they need to tell the know? clients right away and it seems so dire to both of them emotionally it's a really great closing scene well don for his part he calls betty from the hospital to let her know what happened and that the situation of him coming to the beach house is probably going to be you know impacted by this yeah what a gentleman what a gentleman oh had to Um, but betty i mean she initially expresses some sympathies but mostly she's annoyed she's like the kids are in bed with me because my dad made a big show about having a separate bedroom from gloria she's already like irked about all of all of this so far yeah it's like oh i'm so sorry to hear that but my time's been hell yeah i've had the worst day with my dad and she just goes off and don's i mean don just at least yeah. he stays on the phone he's like, i'd say i he's guess like, yeah i know it's tough uh, i wish i could come help but i but, you know, my boss slash mentor slash best friend just had a heart attack. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's tough. It's, it's interesting, too, because we also find out what the narrative is going to be from Don and Roger about what happened. Because she asked what, you know, what, what and she, she asked what happened. He said, oh, he just keeled over. And, you know, when Roger has his heart attack, he immediately tells the twins that they have to leave. So they're obviously, the two of them have agreed implicitly to keep that part of it out of it i think don considers that part of his job and i don't think that's out of the like i mean out of the blue i think that's kind of like in the apartment the movie like uh this guy is renting this apartment out to his like bosses and stuff and that's part of his job to move up like to keep like that That stuff discreet like if I'm the one that ruins my boss's relationship by letting something split, then that is, like, proof that you should fire me, basically. Well, you know, it's, like, the same as, like, yeah. Peggy and Joan with, you know, when he found out that he was going to see Midge during the day. Joan's like, you just need to, like, manage around it and not let Betty find out what's going on. That's right. your job. Right. And so, so yeah, I think yeah. it's the same thing. And, and that's why the apartment is such a good... Uh, like counterbalance in this whole thing Uh is like that's what the movie's about discreetness and like when do you break that when do you figure that out and don uh don knows where he is he just got the raise last episode to half a million dollars a year and so 
It's like, yeah. what am I going to screw this guy over right yeah. now? No. And he's, yeah, he's also like on his deathbed. But, you know, he wants his wife to be out there to comfort right. him. But the at the same time, he's protecting his own ass too. Don't, let's not ever forget that. Mm-hmm. You know, Don was Don up there with, is. yes. That's always what Don is doing. Yes. But we feel at this point that Don's connection, at least I feel that Don's connection to Roger is stronger than Don's connection to Betty. Yeah. Which is sad. Yeah. But that's what we get from this call in the first half of this call. The second half of this call is Betty. Just, yeah, complaining more about her dad and Gloria and that she's really disturbed again about, like... He did this thing in the kitchen where he came up behind her and like watched her cook in the same way they used to do with, with her mom, and that's really upsetting for her. Which I can see why that's disturbing, but. But yeah, it's yeah. again she's really sensitive to this, and just like when I know that people say like life goes on when people die, but what they don't tell you is it's not a good thing. You know, yeah. she's really still getting through the grief. Yeah, it's a good line. It's it's powerful and. You know, she's, that's how she's feeling. But at the hospital, Pete shows up, and he's, like, even less, like, actually concerned than Betty was. He's like, well, what happened? And Don's like, what? I don't know. But then a Nixon attack, or a Kennedy attack ad on Nixon comes onto the TV, like, while they're in the waiting room to right. see how Roger's doing. And we need to remember that they were reticent to run attack ads against Kennedy. But now they see he's done it. And it is brutal. It is mm-hmm. because it's not even really an ad. It's just Nixon. So context, I know we've already probably delved into this more than most people want to hear. Nixon was the vice president throughout the 50s. Mm-hmm. 52 under to Eisenhower. 60 under Dwight Eisenhower. And the ad is Dwight Eisenhower being asked, what decision has Nixon really like swayed you on? And he says, well, if you ask me in another week, I can think of one. Yeah, which is fucking one. brutal to say. Yeah, and, and then, it's on the record. And, and, no, you know, it's, it's not for the campaign. He said that, and then the campaign just used that clip. It's like, yeah, yeah, they, you know. And then it cuts to another quote that he says later in the same interview, that's saying, "I'm the president. I make the decisions. Mm-hmm. No one else makes these decisions." Um, so we did a little bit of research on this, and we like there are a ton of like really well-reviewed books on the relationship between Nixon and Eisenhower, which mm-hmm. are fascinating because these are two of the most like important Americans of the 20th century for many different reasons. Yeah, you know, please don't like conflate importance to mean. Like, the same, like, type of importance, but... uh Significant figures, both of them. Yes. But what we did learn is that they were not... Eisenhower did not really respect Nixon during the presidency at all, but they became a lot closer after he left office. Uh, mm-hmm. After Nixon did or after... After Eisenhower yeah. left, left office. Mm-hmm. They became closer, and they became even closer socially because their children got married so, <laughs> so funny. they actually yeah. became like in-laws good friends but during the eisenhower presidency there was not a lot of love lost between the two to the point where nixon felt very like spurned by eisenhower mm-hmm. during his not only the 1960 campaign but throughout the 60s until eisenhower died which i believe is the mid 60s to early 70s i didn't check that mm-hmm. but uh, it's an interesting, interesting relationship mm-hmm. in one of the most interesting periods of U.S. history, the 1950s. It's a lot going on. <laughs> anyway, 
they see this ad on TV of like these guys didn't even have to pay any money to no, do this. It's real clips. Yeah. They just like, all they did was paste. They two made like clips a YouTube together. video yeah. of Eisenhower <laughs> roasting his own vice president. And so now they're looking at Don and Peter looking at this ad. Roger's in the hospital, and they're, they're like, like, "Fuck! What the fuck do we do?" This is even worse. How yeah. can things get worse? God, brutal. And though, although Betty offered to come home to see Don, he said, no, there's nothing she can do. Who he does want to see and does want comforting from is Rachel. So he goes to her apartment. Finally. He apologizes for the lateness of the hour, but she knows she got the telegram, so she knows what's going on about Roger. She wants more information, but Don is reticent to give it to her but she's like i'm not gonna like quit on your firm if you tell me really what's going on i just want to know right and they have a drink um (laughs) she asks if he's happy with the doctors because if not she can have her dad make a call like her dad's super you know they're well connected and don's like ah he's rich it seems like they know that and they're taking care of him so i'm not worried about that part of it yeah i mean just doing like the formalities that you can that the fact that don came in in a suit and she's in this flowing turquoise blue dark yeah, yeah turquoise cyan or yeah, whatever color nightgown. it is nightgown but she looks beautiful i course. mean she's yeah she's Always. fucking hot i'm sorry she's just amazing looking <laughs> and yeah but you know then don gets kind of vulnerable with her talking about how bad roger looked and that it's kind of it's troublesome to him and she's like yeah i know it's tough when it's your friend he's like well does that matter and she's like that makes it harder when it's not just your boss it's also your friend it's like trying to explain empathy to (laughs) he's like what why does it matter if i'm friends with him what do you feel like this is like sincere by don or is this like yeah a line yeah no i think he's being He's being vulnerable, but he's bad at it, which is why it seems awkward because he's yeah. not used to it. Yeah, it does feel super uncomfortable. But I it's, think it's legitimate. It's something weird. And and Rachel's thrown off by it. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, this is weird because usually he's so suave and in control, and now he's, like, babbling and upset. He kisses her, and she's like, what What are you doing? What good is that going to do? It's not like it's the end of the world. And you can just do whatever you want because there's no consequences just because this happened. Like, stop. Then he needs to just sit down and... He tells a story about death, like the first time, you yeah. know, really setting the mood, Don. Um, when the first time he was get a pallbearer. Yeah, get into it. When he was yeah. 15. You're like, yeah, none of this is leading up to. But it's like, I felt like I was a man then. Because I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't being shielded from the harsh realities of life and death. And I was being treated like a human being and allowed to, like, you know. Yeah. I mean, after we yeah, have a lot to learn about, he had, yeah. right? And yeah, so he tells this whole story, and she's like, "I've never heard you talk that much before." <laughs> so good, yeah. Because it's not supposed to be. Words. I don't think it's supposed to be a funny line. No, to but it, them, but, but it it's is. a very funny yeah. line, and it's like very like good. Yeah, because you know? it's Don's good. Rachel, such a, you yeah. know, he's so guarded and so hard to read, and she's like, "Damn, that was quite a." introspective you know statement in your yeah. life oh and it's just so it's it's so strange i mean the big thing that we have to remember shattering over this is like a heart attack in 1960 is not a heart attack in 2020 yeah, a heart attack in is. 1960 like he could die any minute 
Yeah. Like, you don't expect him to die. Yeah, and they can't create a prognosis as well that's as specific because they don't right. have as, man, as many ways of controlling And that's what John says a couple times through the episode. Yeah, he's like, like they don't really, we don't doctors know. Doctors don't, doctors know, what's don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, which is crazy, which we didn't even talk about Sterling's diet. Like oh. to cure the oyster, no. to cure the ulcer right. was to eat like a cream, bunch of like creams and fats, butter. and that clogged his arteries. Right, because like, he attack. was like, "Yeah, I was, I was following the doctor's instructions about ulcers, but then I got a heart attack instead." Yeah, Brutal. so it's like you know, it's just a whole like just, amalgam like, of confusion and like yeah. there's just not as much medical like you know study on on this stuff back then. Right, so Don's contemplating death because Don. You know, grew up living this life of, like, you know, religious, like, strictness. And, like, harshness. Like, seeing people die. Yeah. Like, his mom died. His dad died. Like, he saw all this death. And once he got to the city, he's lived basically all those sins combined together. Mm-hmm. And so I think he has a big mortality, like, complex, of course. Yeah. But, yeah, and then he... Rachel's like, well, what do you want? Like, what do you want from me with, with this stuff? Because he's getting all frisky again. And he's like, you know everything about me. I want you to, like, understand me. And like, yeah. He's like, I don't know anything about you. But Don just has such a hard time, like, developing real connections that he... This is something that's close to a connection in his life because he's so cold off from other people. Yeah. Between a, Betty and Roger, those are the only two other people that he's like let get anywhere close to him. So he just starts throwing down lines. You're looking through me. <sighs> yeah, and then he kisses her again and she she again is like, you know, we shouldn't be doing this. You should go and talk to your wife and he says, This is all there is, Rachel. This is slipping through my hands like sand. Which is too yeah. <laughs> what he wants is those bags of sand. Uh, but 40 year old virgin. yeah 40 year old virgin reference for any of you old timers out there old timers <laughs> like come out like 2004 but. yeah well yeah he uses that old we're just you know two ants we only have a moment we're to just live. two ants on a grain of sand on a little planet in the universe the whole you know, world could end tomorrow times, don't you want to enjoy it today times nothing and so you and me let's get it and then he kisses her again and they're like you know then it's like going places and and then he pulls away he's like no not unless you say you want this and one of the hotter lines that you could ever hear uttered probably is yes please oh i thought don's was <laughs> oh shoot so yeah well we'll it's a good still exchange. do both of them yeah it's a good not, exchange what'd you say not unless you tell me you want, want this, this. Yeah. and she says Yes, please. please. So, Whew. we'll put those both couple, in there. Yeah. yeah, a couple good-looking people. <laughs> yeah. High five, making their way. We both enjoy the end of this scene, <laughs> frankly. Yeah, indeed. Back at the office, they've finally gone, and you know they've finished all these telegrams, letters to clients, and so Bert and Joan are in the elevator heading out and he tells to her that it's not his business but she could do a lot better and at first she assumes he's referring to like the you know the professor yeah shitty date she had with her and he's like he's not anyone and bird is like no i'm talking about roger but this scene is so important because for the first you know nine episodes of this show we have seen cooper like 
super disconnected yeah. from everything like living his own life just managing the you know the, the finances yeah. stuff basically like making sure him his pockets get lined etc etc and roger and don are happy right basically. right doing whatever he has to do to keep the talent happy yeah you know but here it's like okay cooper is not just like in his own, you no. know, Japanese ivory castle. <laughs> He's there. observant. He, He's noticed. He knows what's going on in this office, which is really important. But I think that this is like, I think it shocks Joan that he knows what's going on. Yeah. It's good Cooper shit. Yeah, and Cooper Cooper does work. Yeah, he yeah. tells her not to waste her youth on age. Yes, beautiful line. <sighs> and please, but. Joan. But they go, yeah, they go down the elevator and she's still just Yeah, then he makes crying. it. And then he's like, oh, also time. push the button. Yeah. Because I won't do Back that. Back to the apartment where, yeah, you know, exactly. it's like you got a girl running these elevators. Joan with a kind of short haircut yep. pushing the button. It's there a great is. connection back <laughs> to the apartment. There wow. she is. Awesome. I, did, I didn't even see that. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, baby. Stick with me and you'll <laughs> Always. But yeah, then another another contemplative post-coital scene between Don and Rachel. Yeah. Where he finally he recollects. He's like, you know, you told me that you your mom died having you. Same with my mom, but she was a prostitute, is the word he uses, a sex worker. Then they gave me to my dad and his wife because she died, and then my dad was killed by being kicked in the face by a horse when I was 10. And then I was raised by the, the wife of my father and then her that new husband. husband yeah. He also makes the point of saying he doesn't know how much his father paid the, the sex <laughs> worker. Irrelevance to anything. But not to their lives, you know. To him, that's important because that's where he's moving. To, yeah. yeah, get her pregnant as That's well. where he's yeah. finding value these days, I think. And yeah. So that's important to him, like... Yeah. I was valueless. And it comes back to his Nixon diatribe earlier like, on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, he says he was raised by those two sorry people, his father's wife and her new husband. And Rachel kind of gives him a gives him a kiss on the head to kind of comfort him. And that's how the episode then we ends. fade to black. Unbelievable. Yeah, that episode oh. was so good. So season one, episode 10, The Long Weekend was rated an 8.2 generally on IMDb. That puts it between a 59 and a 65. So well, they're all those episodes all of an 8.2. Tied, yes, tied. So what would you say your favorite outfit was from the show? Queen of fashion, Christina. <laughs> um, I liked Rachel's outfit for the meeting where she was there with her dad for this kind of finalizing meeting. And she had that cool, like, goldenrod colored dress and the gold and black jewelry. This is very chic, as always. And I liked her nightgown, too, because we haven't seen her nightwear yet. But it's, you know, compared to Betty and Trudy's, and I think when we, the brief moment we see Peggy's, she's got her jewel tones, as she always does. And it's different than the kind of, like, gauzy pink girly ones that everyone else wears she's still bold looking in her nightwear yeah we've talked about how rachel is just a different level mm-hmm. in fashion um but i do love joan's early dress the austin powers dress <laughs> like the sweater uh, yeah. dress the, the stripes on it yeah, yeah. Like, it's almost a british flag type dress i like that and, uh, <laughs> i mean when joan wears it joan wears it 
It's good. We'll have to post a picture of that so you guys know what the reference, <laughs> yeah. what the reference right. is there. Let's do some Sterling's gold here. What's your favorite Sterling quote? I mean, let's just say to preface this episode that this is like quote by quote Mad Men at its best. Like every single sentence uttered is memorable in some way. It was... Uh, well, it was a big Roger episode too. Yes, so. it was. But, though not That's as why. much of him being, you know, his usual number of quips but there were quips back and forth it was a great yeah. episode it was a firestorm so going back to the question at hand <laughs> my favorite you can quote. cut that out yeah, you can cut all my diatribe out my favorite quote was remember don when god closes a door he opens a dress disgusting but very roger and very you know his personality i'd say my sterling gold goes to uh having a client is like marriage like sometimes you enter into the wrong thing and then sometimes you get punched in the face. Uh, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's fun. a funny quote. No. He couldn't even get through it without yeah, laughing. No. So. Then what about general quote for the episode? What's your favorite? I think I'm going to go with how Joan describes Manhattan. I like that. <laughs> I know it's so cliche, but it's like, listen, we've chosen to live in this city. And we mm-hmm. are going to live in this city. This is the best place in the world. And yeah. I like that. I've never been to New York. I like that. I still have that romantic vibe about people the city. that I mean, people that like live there, it's like live or die there though. Yeah. You know, they like especially if you grew up there, you don't wanna leave. I feel like it's a, a city that really people get super, super committed to and attached to. Yeah, and it's one of the most romantic cities in the world, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. But I love that type of thing. It's like, don't ever question the city. Yeah, it's not the city's trouble. Yeah. What about you? Um, Mine is that the day you sign a client is the day you start losing them. And just because oh, it's how, it, especially because how it's used by Don to try to talk Pete down and then, or, you know, trying to chip away at his his boastfulness and then Roger using it to try to console Don but then Don being like is that even real even though he just said it to Pete it's just used very well by the both of them yeah and so yeah it's kind of cool. a good indicative of their relationship right. right yeah um who is hired for you I'm gonna hire Rachel mm, me too yeah she comes in crushes it again mm-hmm. her dad's out there so it doesn't matter. She's like, my dad's here just to like give this like more oomph. Yeah, and she kind but of she's like, I've chastises them for I've like yes. minimizing her dad's accomplishments too. Yeah. She's like, no, don't discount this. It's serious and, business to us. But she also feels like they're like bantering and excluding her. And mm-hmm. she's like, this isn't funny. Yeah. Let's remember who's in charge here. Plus, she, you know, gets that DDD. That triple Don D. Dick. Yeah, that triple D. 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 Triple D. The, the famous. Yeah, exactly. You love. Yeah. You gotta love it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then also that, like, you know, when she did finally hook up with Don, it was like on her terms. Like she has, you know, made him work for it this whole season. And even though you could tell she was attracted to him, and she knew that he wanted to hook up with her she wasn't gonna just like do it on a whim she waited until it was the time that she wanted to and so she right um who would you fire i'm gonna fire richard nixon (laughs) (laughs) because because holy shit we see him and even the people that are like 
hired to or not even they're just pro bono they're like i can't even get through this commercial like it's about your dollars and your cents well the other guy's like look at me i'm handsome look at my wife she's amazing looking look at this dog it's fucking cute and look at her little baby it's cute don't you want us to be on tv all the time yeah exactly (laughs) and richard nixon's like it's about dollars and cents so yeah i'm well, firing richard nixon no which we should have fired richard nixon back in 1960 well, so he got his really, <laughs> yeah. really good. um who are you firing uh pete an easy pick pretty much every episode you could fire him if easy you don't really know yeah <laughs> so, um i think specifically because he like he's so obsessed with showing up don that he even considers losing a client to be a good opportunity to like do that. And it's like, you need to just like look at the bigger picture of the business. Like you shouldn't be so gleeful about losing a client just because you have a chance to like talk shit to Don about it. That's so funny. Cause I almost considered promoting Pete because of how like, how like uh prescient he was about JFK. Yeah. He's so like, he's the only one. He and only- Cooper though too. Cooper was like, this guy's trouble. Yeah. Those two have been yeah, like. Mm. We didn't get to hear Cooper come down and say we should be way ahead in the polls, right. like Don and uh, Roger did, said. Yeah. But Pete's like, "There's no way you're winning this." Yeah, he gets That's it true. immediately. He gets it. But I, I get that too. That scene with Peggy is fucking brutal. He's just so nasty he's to just her for no. Fun. Such a piece of shit. Yeah, it's like you pursued her. You came over to her apartment drunk at, after a bachelor party, and then you. Called her into your office like a couple weeks ago in the morning to have sex, and now you're just being a dick. Yeah, Such and a then fuck boy. and then like embarrassed her at her own party at the bar. So yeah. it's just it's a mess. It's a horrible. He's like horrible. he can be fired every episode. Yeah, but he never, you know, he still sticks around like a bug on your shoe. All right. All right, and now we have our power rankings. This one is high. It was so good. Um, I think it might be my top actually. Of the season. It's either one or two. I'll have to mull on it. I'm putting it at number one. I yeah, think it's the dude. best. I think that there's not a single line of dialogue that does not stick in your brain or it's, stick in your, you know, yeah. craw, whatever you feel. And develops the characters, characters so well, too. And, and it's it just, yeah, we have those good moments. And it ratchets, so. ratchets up the emotional intensity of yes, a lot of the relationships. Uh, exactly. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's number one for me. For sure, so far in this season. Summer All right. One. Good stuff. Well, um, yeah, like, review, subscribe, follow us um, on the Instagram, which is at Mad Men and Andy, that is Tonic, and, and then, um, tell a friend. Yeah, please. We're a very Rate new us. podcast. We're not professionals, as you can tell. But we appreciate the listeners, and yes, please like us. Recommend us. Tell your friends. But yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. We love you. We love Mad Men. Stay safe. We love Mad Men. We will be back next week. And we can't wait.